So tonight I'm talking on dating. So the relationship series, as I understand it, is singleness last week, dating this week, and then marriage. I have no idea why you asked Paul to speak on marriage. He's terrible at it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, he's good at it. But so here's what makes dating challenging is that there's like nothing in the Bible about dating, and here's why. It's a more modern concept, which doesn't mean it's bad, um, and it doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't speak to it. So the idea of the Bible, one thing that's just real simple is that a lot of times we get caught up in going to the Bible just trying to look directly to it, and the reality is the Bible will give us a view, what people call a worldview, to look through. So C.S. Lewis is famous to say, um, Christianity to me is like the sun, it's not that I just look at it, but it's through it that I see everything else. It's not exactly the way he said it, but that's the, the idea. It's not just by it that I'm looking at it, but it's through the sun that I see absolutely everything else, the thing that gives us. And that's true of the scriptures. The scriptures give us the ability to look at everything in life um, and really develop what would happen is to say develop theologies of it. Now, when I say that, I know so many of you would go, I'm here to talk about dating, and to say a theology of dating doesn't sound very dynamic, right? Um, like, guys, that is not something to do whether you're a Christian or not, is to sit down with a girl and go, let me talk to you about my theology of dating. But you, we do want to know, does, the Bible brings wisdom and gives us guidance to this idea of relationships. And let me just start and say this. I was in a text thread with a friend of mine um, who is not a Christian just recently, and they've met a person that they're very excited about. And I knew they met him on an app. And there's apps that do a lot of things pretty easy for people. And you guys all know this, right? If you wanted to sleep with someone tonight, there's an app for that. Uh, and then there's this growing level of dating apps. And so I said, I knew they had met him on an app. And I said, so man, Tinder did all of that. And they wrote back, hinge, get your app straight, right? And I was like, oh, okay. So there's a reality of a compulsion, even in our culture, to figure out dating. This isn't just a Christian idea. And underneath a desire for dating is a desire for relationship. And I just want to start to say this. If you're sitting in the world or you're in this room and you go, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you do have to begin to ask, why is there such a human impulse towards relationships of all kinds. And then deeper than that, why is there such a compulsion to much more intimate relationships? Because there's a lot of different kinds of relationships. Real simply, you could say there are people in your life that are just acquaintances. You know them, but you'd go, I don't know if they're really, really friends. Then there's like a closer group that you go, no, these really are my friends. And then you may shrink and go, and then there's like people that I'm really close friends with, and then there's, but there's an aspiration to have somebody that you are intimately, intimately acquainted with. This is why ultimately apps start happening. The kind of reality, and I don't just mean this physically, like in a sexual way, but this idea of where you can just be naked and exposed. This kind of relationship where you go, these people really know everything about me and could almost ruin me. They know so much about me. That's what Paul gets to talk about next week. That's marriage. Uh, but there's this, this compulsion all the time towards that. And I'll just start by saying this. When you look at Christianity as presented in the Bible through which you see everything, there's a rationale for that. There's a reason you can look at the world and go, 
Human beings crave relationship because human beings, as spoken to us in the scriptures, which I believe in all my heart, and 710 leadership would believe, isn't just the truth for Christians, but that the Bible is true truth. It's public truth. It's the story that's narrating the history of the world. And the scriptures say to us that human beings, unlike everything else that's made in creation, is the one part of creation that's made in the image of God. So just to help this sink a little bit, when I'll just do a little acronym here of human beings are made in the image of God. Now, the, the biblical conception of God is a trinity. And the trinity, very easily stated, is just... Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what's unique about the Trinity is every one, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But the Holy Spirit is not the Son, is not the Father, is not. So the Trinity, in the way the scriptures teach about it and the church has spoken about for thousands of years, is that the Father is distinct from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit from the Son. These are distinct in the way we talk about it is persons. All of them are God. So people try to figure out, well, how do you make sense of that? God is a community. God is a relationship. At the very core of who he is, God is relationship. That doesn't mean three gods. It's God is not like us. God is one, but three in one, right? That's the, the idea of the Trinity. So if we're, we're made in the image of relationship, 1 John 4 says God is love. The Trinity actually says God really could be love, really could be if God is relationship at his core, so the Christian idea, just so you know, is when I go on Apple and I look up apps for dating and all these different ones come up, let's say the one my friend mentioned, Hinge is there, right? So I pop this up and I look at the app Hinge and it says Hinge, dating and relationships, right? And then it's specifically, I don't know, there's some phrase on it, um, Hinge is the dating app for people who want to get off dating apps, right? So you're like, wow, they've made their whole market off of the fact of how many other dating apps there are, but they're better. Well, underneath all the dating apps is a desire, a human being propelled towards, I want a relationship. I ultimately want to do this. The starting place of that, I'm saying, I would go, that's good. Like, God made you to desire relationship at a core level through friendship, and at the most intimate levels. So we start and just go, the pursuit of dating, the desire to find somebody at that level, even the aspiration that many of you come in to 710 with just to find friends, and then maybe this idea of maybe I'd find somebody is a good thing. That's, so if you're going like, I feel stupid, that this is, that's just reality. That's a human compulsion designed, I'm telling you, by God. Now, the question is where you direct that. So all the time, you have to understand that there are these desires we have as human beings that can be rightfully directed or wrongfully directed. But that's a great place for us to just begin. So that said, I want to give a few things, and then I honestly 
want from there to just open it up to questions. And here's the reason I want to do that is I've been around moments like this enough where I'll say something, but the majority of what you're going to think of leaving is, yeah, but, yeah, but, well, what about, or some specific thing. So some of this may take courage because it's about dating and you're sitting in a room. A lot of you, if not most of you, are single and you're going to be like, ah, this is whatever. But if it's going to be helpful, I'd actually rather attempt to answer real questions. But let me just start and give you a little bit of a grid to start with in understanding um, dating. The first thing I'll say is, is you really, in the end, have to ask yourself the question when it comes to dating, what is it you really want? Because what a Christian is at the core of somebody who's following God through Jesus Christ is this sense of Jesus is, here's the word, Lord, so your master. If that's true, you have to ask yourself a very real question. And this can be personal, I'm not asking you to make it public to anybody, but you have to really go, what do I really want? Because if you're here wanting to know about dating, there's all kinds of places that can teach you about dating the way you want to be taught about dating. You can find the answer you want to find. If you are going, I really want to find it, what God thinks about this. The first question is, who's your master? At the core level. And if your master is Jesus, and you really do believe fundamentally, he's the one, he rose from the dead. He really is the one I was made by and for, which is what Colossians chapter 1 says, that he's the creator of all things, and all things were created by him and for him. The pinnacle of his creation is humanity made in the image of God. Who's your master? That then informs the direction of your life, or some people may say your mission, Right? You guys are in college, and maybe when you get into post-college, people talk to you about writing your own mission statement. But your master, or what's mastered you, ultimately fuels your mission no matter what. So people will say in business, if in the end, the master is you want to be successful, you want to make money, you write a mission statement according to that. If your master's Jesus, the mission you follow is that, which will inform how you pursue relationships. That makes sense? I mean, that's just kind of a logical flow, but that's a big question. Now, the first statement I want to make to you is who you hang around with radically matters. Like radically, radically matters to your life. Now, who you decide to spend more time with matters even more. So the level of time and proximity you place in something really matters. So in 1 Corinthians 15 is this whole discourse on the resurrection, that we believe Jesus rose from the dead, and therefore we're going to raise from the dead again. And I like Paul. Um, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 15. If somebody has it, they can put it up now. But I like Paul because most people don't understand this about Paul um, as much, but he actually uses all these cultural examples all the time in his teaching. So here he quotes a poet of the day, but he says this, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? So he's just talking about his mission. Like, I'm going through all this crap, right, in the end, because I have a master who's fueled my mission. And then he says, if the dead are not raised in, in Christ, this is his whole logic here, then we might as well just do whatever we want. So he quotes a poet, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? So if you know the Dave Matthews band, they pick up that phrase, like eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die, right? And they sing about this. And this is all over our culture. This is just 
do what you want. Like at the end of the day, there is no master, but you're your own master. He's like, if, if Jesus isn't there, but then he says, do not be deceived. And this is a quote from a poet. So this isn't the logic of Paul, but he's taking a poet of his day and he says, bad company ruins good morals. Here's the simple way to say this. And some of you that are in college have taken sociology classes. Here's all that Paul's saying. Socialization works every time. Who you hang out with form you. You'll begin to talk like your friends. You'll joke like your friends. You'll do all that. The closer you, this is why when somebody's married, after time, it's people will begin to go like, they're even starting to look like each other, right? People affect people radically. It's why when you develop, no matter what you thought about your parents, at the end of the time, you'll be like, gosh, I'm way more like my mom and dad than I ever thought I would be. You don't think that now, but it's just true. Here's why. Socialization works. So I'm starting from a premise of if you have a master, however you define that, if you have a master and you have a mission, you better pick people to be around you that facilitate that, or you're revealing to yourself you actually have a different master and different more and different mission, right? Who you surround yourself with gets you there. So if you want to get fit, right, and people that join CrossFit or whatever level, they're going, I'm going to put myself around people that want to get fit if I want to get fit. It just makes sense, okay? So that's the starting place that the Bible even says is the company you surround yourself with shapes you. So if you're thinking about dating, okay, if you're thinking about dating and your only quest is to find a relationship, go for it. Like, you, I promise you, you can get on an app right now and get a date. I promise you that. Like, I don't care who you are, I promise you. If you have no standards and know what you can get right now, okay? You can get a date if that's all you're after. But right away, your laughing shows like, no, I do have standards. All I'm saying to you is ask what those are, like at the end of the day, because who you put yourself around will pull you in a direction, even in directions you don't want to go. You can presume you're super strong. You can presume you'll shape them more than they will shape you, Paul's saying to you, I'm telling you, you could start right now with good intentions or good morals. You put yourself around people that want something different than that, you will be swayed by them. I promise you. Okay, so this is just saying socialization works. You got to answer the master mission question, who you decide to be around will either propel you in where, who you say your master is. So if you're a Christian, you go, my master is Jesus. My mission is to seek to display him in loving him with everything I am and loving my neighbor as yourself, you want to surround yourself with people not who are perfect, but who are seeking the same thing. So my wife and I talk about this a lot, even in like what you surround yourself with in other voices on social media or what you read is you want to get better at something, read about that something. You want to get even better with it, surround yourself with people like that. So that said, that's just one simple logic. The next thing is... Now we'll speak specifically about dating. There's this very famous um, section of scripture of Proverbs 31. Can somebody really quick, so I don't, because I can have a strong tendency to go longer than I should. This ends, my time ends at what time? 8.15. Okay. I'm going to get through this next section fast so we can, we can talk. Proverbs 31, people will say is like, about the woman, the godly woman. Understand the context of Proverbs is a father talking to his son. 
So there's this verse in Proverbs that says this, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, I'm not just talking about, hey guys, what to look for in a woman, though I am. I'm also saying to women, understand the context. The context is a father speaking to his son about how to find a good woman. What does a good woman look like? The principle is the exact same for a woman looking at a man, or in the midst of this, we won't get into all the realities. I'm just going to talk directly about this. Is So this idea of charm, we'll say, is like the personality. Beauty is physical appearance, but a person who fears the Lord is to be praised. So think about it like this. If you have concentric circles when you're looking at dating, and let's say the first one is physical, right? This is the notion of you walk in a room and you find somebody attractive and they've never said a word, right, ever. It's just like they're attractive. And people will say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So you may go, that guy is hot. And your friend that's right with you is like, I don't think so at all. In the end, it doesn't matter, right? Like, if you think they are, you go, but it's physical appearance that's drawing you. So you have physical appearance there. Now, let's say this next one, we'll just call it personality. So this could be in personality, I'm putting in this their how they communicate, I'm saying their mind. So when you get in like, I'm really attracted to this person because you may say they're smart or they're wise or they're engaging or they're a great conversationalist, right? Or they're deep or you may go, I don't want a deep person, they're shallow. I'm putting, that's all personality, right? Like I want simple, that's a better word than shallow because most people wouldn't say they want, <laughs> most people wouldn't say they want shallow. So. You have physical appearance and personality. Now, I'm going to, what I'm going to call this here is spirituality, by which I mean relationship slash desire for God. Now, here's what I want you to see really quick. What the author of this proverb is saying to you is charms deceitful. Okay, and all I want to say fast, and I really want to get into questions as fast as I can, I cannot tell you, I'm now 42, right, which is astonishing to say, but I'm 42. The number of friends I have that were compelled into a relationship that lasted because of what here the Bible calls charm and found out that charm is deceitful is way more than I would like to say to you way more. And like, wow, what I thought was really compelling about that person, like when everybody else was kind of telling me, ah, I don't know. And I was like, oh, but I like the underdog and they're a fighter. And now I'm like, uh, like this was bad. I should have listened to those people, right? That's the idea. Charm's deceitful. And beauty is vain. Does that mean personality and physical appearance don't matter? No, that's not what it means. But the only two thing on this, on this list, the only two things on this list that go like this over time are those. Okay, so when you're picking someone, you're like, man, I'm thinking about someone for potentially dating them for the, for the rest of my life. 
there may be moments like Dan Moon, like he, he got himself in really, really good shape, but at the end of the day, age will catch up, right? <laughs> right? It just, it just does to everybody. I'm so, I, I, I walked over to Dan. You guys, I've, I've known Dan Lowry, but I walked over to Dan and I literally grabbed his arm and I just immediately felt like a puke because I'm like, this guy is like strong and good and I'm 42 and fat, right? Um, skinny fat guy, right? Like I don't look fat, but it's like, so, but this reality is age, age catches up. So it's the physical appearance. And then even if you go, man, I'm after this person because of their mind, the reality as time goes is you just, you aren't as sharp as you once were. And then the reality is, is guys who were funny at 25 at like 60 just aren't that funny. It's like, you're just old and weird, right? Like, um, if they go down. The one thing in the end that somebody that focuses on this over time literally has this incredible ability to go up. Their humility goes up, their graciousness goes up, their love goes up, their understanding goes up. And so now there's these moments where there's a 58-year-old or 65-year-old and the woman's doting over a guy and you're like, dude, he looks awful. <laughs> and he's not smart, but like she loves him, right? And, and, and then as they, the older they get, it's easier. Like when people get really, really old, it's easy to go, oh, it's so cute. But like when it's like 58, you're just like, I, I don't get it. Like that's weird. I mean, that's the moments when, you know, married couples like, are going to the bedroom, the kids are like, this is disgusting, like, I don't, but at the end of the day, there's real intimacy, right, at the moment, so don't hear me saying these things aren't important, what I'm telling you is when you pursue dating, they are the things you look for, and what I want to say to you is if that's primarily what you're looking at, there was an old movie called Fatal Attraction, <laughs> like, this guy got attracted to a woman, and then she was like a psychopath, right? <laughs> Um, some of you guys are too young to know that meaning. These are like fatal attractions. And that's what this guy's trying to say is going, listen, if that's the primary thing you're looking at, and everybody I know at this age will go, well, it's not the primary thing, but what are you saying? I literally, I will never forget when I did this ministry, having guys say to me more than once virtually this kind of thing. So what are you saying? Like I should just date somebody I think is ugly? I'm like... No, that's not, that's, that's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying there's a prioritization of what you're looking at. And there's a sense of what you think is beautiful now will fade, and it can be really deceitful. What cannot deceive you is when you sit in a room and you go, this person is very willing to humbly take a back seat. They're not constantly trying to be the center of attention which doesn't mean there aren't different personalities. They really are seeking to serve. They really are aspiring to put the needs of others as somebody above their own. It doesn't mean they're perfect at it. They're very willing and wanting to pursue and growing with God. They're also really willing to be honest with where they're at with God. Like those are the kinds of things that you're like, I'm just telling you right now, look for those things. Like when you're sitting around and you're going, man, what am I watching for? And we'll talk about this in just a minute. But that notion is just very important. And it's, it, a lot of times there is truth, especially in worlds like this, this can be faked. And that's where I want to just lead to one of the last things. There's another proverb um, that I want to put up there. And I, this one, I cannot tell you how strongly I want to tell you. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. If I'll tell you one other 
part of the story without getting very specific. The number of people I know that went into relationships when wise counsel went, eh, they failed. They failed, failed, failed. The notion of what will happen, especially if you're focused on these two things primarily, is you'll compromise this and then you'll go, I don't want anybody's input. Like, I know I love them. And you can look around this room and go, well, that's interesting because I swear four months ago you said you loved that person. <laughs> and 10 months before that, you, you were told me you were convinced this was the one and you loved that person. Well, like, what happened over the iteration of these four to five times of ultimately what that is? One thing that can help you mitigate that. I'm not telling you to feel stupid if you did that. That's normal. The normalcy of walking through dating, of being with someone and experiencing this tapping into, like, the relational heartbeat of who you are made to be in the image of God, which tapping into it. It's not a surprise that there are certain moments when you get closer, you're like, I think I really like this person. And then as time goes on, you're like, ah, this wouldn't really work. This would. One of the things that will help mitigate that is get wise people in your life and just go, listen, I'm not asking you to post on social media what you think about this person, right? Don't do that. But tell me. Just be honest. Like, what would you tell me to think through? What would you tell me to look for? And then try to get a few people. And wise counselors are not like walking through the room, taking somebody you hardly know, going, hey, you know that person. What do you think of that person? Okay, that's not... It's just being in a context enough to go, hey, I'm around this. And then as you're dating someone, get them around the wise counselors if they don't know them. And just ask questions. Just go, and, and this is where, like, this is why people bring their significant others home to meet the family, typically, would be like, hey, what do you think of this? Like, it isn't just a cultural reality. The, the best idea is that there are people that you're bringing them around that would help you go, hey, are you seeing clearly? Or you just look like love struck and stupid you know, um, that you're not thinking about these realities. Because it all the, even if you go, well, gosh, Tyler, it sounds like you're just talking about who I'd marry. If we go back to the first verse, no, I'm talking about who you surround yourself with on a consistent level and where you're around. So this, that notion, just big picture. So we know ultimately, and this is just to end, the other passage I was just going to bring up that's worth you guys knowing is there's a passage when Paul's speaking to the Corinthians, and you can put that other one up, which is this famous phrase of don't be unequally yoked. The reality of this um, context is more likely in business dealings, but it's, again, we're reading through the Bible. It's the same principle. If you're getting into close relationship, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness or fellowship is light with darkness? This is where people can go, oh, that sounds so like stale. It's just saying the same thing. Who's your master? What's your mission? Who's going to help propel you to that which you ultimately want? Um, and I'll just tell you at the end of the day, the greatest thing in the world I got pre my pursuit of Haley, my wife, was people teaching me to look for the right things. And I'm telling you at so many levels prior to Haley, because Haley brought it together but even in the midst of my pursuit of Haley, I did some stupid stuff, which in questions you can ask me, and I'll be, I'll be open. My wife doesn't like to be talked about, but I'll talk about my stupidity plenty. Um, but in the midst of it, there was this whole pursuit, but the best things I was given was stuff like this, stuff that seemed really, really basic, but when applied, um, has borne fruit that's just been really, really, really tremendous. So those are the biggest things I wanted to give you. We've got like 10 minutes, so... Questions?
Yeah, wow. I just saw, I just saw a, uh, I just saw a Twitter thread on this. That's just incredible. Um, how do you know she's not that into you? Um, I do think um, they said signs. I would say social cues matter um, for sure. Like at the end of the day, if you feel like, man, I keep pressing and pressing and she keeps turning her back and walking away and turning back, like that's where I just go like, you probably don't need to ask her like, are you, are you into me, right? If there's a... The other thing, I mean this seriously, is this is where the many counselors thing is really true because the other side of that is there are signs, but sometimes people just don't know um, how to totally react. So sometimes it could be like, wow, I'm actually, you're reading it as like they're not into you and they're like, can you not get the other signs, right? And this is just where I'd say to girls, like guys are not that smart. So like you could think like I'm giving them signs that I really, really like them, but this is where the many counselors thing, when you do this stuff in community, I mean, so many of you will have this notion of, like, I'll just speak as a guy. The number of times I've had friends of mine or even me at different times when I was at this age where some girl would walk up to you like, are you a moron? And that you do not see that that girl likes you. And it was like, uh, I had no idea that that person liked. Like, I had no idea. So this idea of, like, signs, signs, some guys are just really stupid, you know, and don't see the signs either that they don't like you or do. I would say this, and this is... This is super idealistic sounding, and the reality is there's an ability when you grow with God that you get more secure, like you just don't feel so stupid, like you're just, but the more you can pray for security to just have honest conversation, and honest conversation is like, like girls, for instance, if a guy says to you, hey, do you want to go to lunch, and you don't want to go to lunch, this is like when I'm a parent and I'm teaching my kids now, when they're like, hey, go tell this person I can't do it. I'm like, there's no way I'm telling them you can't. You can't. You go tell them you can't do it, right? And, and then my kids will get these points like, well, I'm just going to say no. It's like, yes. Like, I, and I mean, you may think it's harsh, but one of the best pieces of advice I've ever got is somebody who said to me, no is a complete sentence. Like, I don't have to explain it. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, you could say very clearly and, and still very succinctly, like, hey, listen, I really appreciate you asking me out to go to lunch, but I'm, we're not going to do that. And it's not that I don't, <laughs> like, I know you think that sounds, but just honestly, it's because here's the thing. Here's what I'd say to you. That sounds crazy, but it's way worse if you're like, well, maybe, you know, let me look at my calendar. And then they text you, hey, have you looked at your calendar? you know what, I have this outstanding appointment. Now it's like, you're lying, right? Which is a whole, lies don't lead well. So the ability to just go like, hey, I appreciate you asking me. Right now, I'm not really up for that. But again, I appreciate you asking. And then you walk away. And then it's awkward for like 10 minutes, maybe the next time you see them. When you just drag it on, it's awkward for as long as you drag it on. So, and honestly, this is where I'd say in a community like this, if it's happening in here, just begin to respect that. Just begin to respect like, man, it gets way easier the more just honest you can be. And I would say, you can say no without being rude. Like, you don't have to go, no, right? You can just go, no. Like, no, I don't think that'd be the best thing for us. I, I appreciate I'm willing to like go out. And if you go, I don't know this person from a post, then, or you could say, if you just go, you know the person, you can say no, or you could say, hey, 
I don't necessarily think you and I just going out to lunch would be great, but let's get a group of friends and all go out together and hang out together and see if we could do it like that way. It's where you're just going like, I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable going out individually with this person right now, but we could go out in a group together or do something like that. So I know that sounds idealistic, but I'm also telling you, I watch so many people lie and drag stuff on and make their lives so much harder than they actually have to be. So I say that to just go, the more secure and more just honest you can be, even if honest is like, hey, I just don't know you that well right now, and I don't feel super comfortable going out to lunch to get to know you, so let's go out together in a group, right? Or, hey, my sense of this is like, this may be kind of a date, and I'm just not, right now, I don't really feel up to that, or I'm not looking to do that right now. I get that sounds stupidly idealistic, but I would just say the more honest and candid you can be, the more helpful it can be. So my answer to the question of how do you know that somebody's not that into you would be, the more honest you can be with each other, the better. And then the second thing I would say is, is this is where community matters a lot because people can help you get cues that you may not be getting that other people think are obvious. So what else? Yes. I don't think, I think a sin would be, I mean, a harm to them could be like the words you use, right? So the Proverbs talk about that, like words can kill or words can give life, you choose, right? So that's, that could be sin. But if you just go like, hey, I'm not looking right now to just go hang out with you and be, no, I don't, I don't, I mean, I look at that and go, no, I think there's choices in the midst of how that, I don't think it's sin um, in the midst of it. I do think there's a lot of things of the way Christian community and people should respond to each other. But the notion that like you should be friends at like a real quality deep level, I just look at and go, a lot, most of the time in the future of the way this works is just impossible. I mean, things begin to go outside and say, I don't think you have the option to be rude, but I don't think there's a mandate. To, the way I'm interpreting you saying friends, I don't think there would be a, a mandate for that. Anybody else? Let me just say on the council thing, I, I think the biggest thing I'd say is dating in isolation, which many of us really want to do, because we want to just go, this is what I'm feeling right now, and I don't want anybody to question that, is stupid. I'm just telling you, it is stupid. Like, you will make terrible decisions, which is exactly what the proverb says. Now, I don't want you to think council has to mean pastoral council. Like, it's people that can look at something objectively, like outside eyes, companies use it because they know insiders oftentimes don't see it correctly, right? So outside eyes that are just outside of the situation, but that ideally care about you and know you is really advantageous. So my answer to that would be is I don't think it's ever too early to seek counsel from 
a body of believers, like when you said the church, what I don't want you to hear me saying is I think you have to always get like the paid professional pastors to give you counsel in the midst of this. But I would also say there is there is a um, a modifier to counsel in that passage. Anybody remember what it is? Wise. <laughs> okay. So you can go, hey, I have a really good friend of mine that is a fool. Then I'd go, <laughs> don't go there for counsel, right? Like, so if you're going, hey, the person that like doesn't know how to date ever, like, but they're my really good friend, and they're going to go, this is awesome for you, right? That's not the counsel the Bible's talking about. So at some level, what you're looking for is to go, man, I want some people that are going to give me some wise perspective on this. So I hope that answered your question. Anybody else? Yes, Alicia. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'll start by saying this is again, I keep coming back to this, but the power of community. So when I'll tell you a little bit about my story briefly. So I had this notion like I grew up like a pagan. I come to faith and I'm like, come to ASU, and I'm basically like, I'm not going to date anybody, because it just felt like wherever that leads is sin, right? So, so basically, I go through this whole baseball career, and I was definitely interested in women, but I was dating nobody. So finally, I'm like, gosh, I better do something. And I had people in the midst of the Christian community that would say, what about, what about this person? What about this person? What about? And that, I, I'll admit to you, in a ministry like this, this is the kind of ministry I was in at the time, not leading. It gets annoying at some level, but it's like, that's true. But there's certain moments. So there was this one moment somebody said to me, have you thought about, so the founding pastor of this church's name was Tom Schrader. Have you thought about Tom's daughter? Well, Tom had a daughter two years younger than me named Sarah. She was dating a guy. And I'm like, well, that'd be kind of weird. I'm like, she's dating somebody. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean the other one. And I'm like, that girl's like 12 years old, right? Like, so at the time, I'm four years older than her. She was like just entering into college. I had just graduated college. I stayed one more year at ASU. But in my mind, I'm like, that is utterly insane, right? Like that girl is really, really young. So when you graduate, if you guys are in college, when you graduate college and somebody's just graduated high school, it feels like you're 15 years apart, right? Like your whole, so I'm like, that is absolutely crazy. Well, what happened is if she started coming to the ministry, I started seeing these things I had been taught, like, Find the person that's willing to be behind the scenes. Then I'd see like other girls go to her and sit and start talking to her. Meeting. And then I was like, they're going to her for counsel. Like they're looking at her as wise. I just watched her security and I was like, wow, this is interesting. But it came through somebody being around saying it and then those same people saying to her. So it was like, hey, he might be interested in you. They might be interested in you. So I start with community saying, if you're in community and you have someone you're like, hey, girls, I'm kind of interested in this guy, right? And there's a reality of like in a ministry like this where you talk to whether it be leaders or other people, there could be a moment where they're like, hey, don't do that. Like you didn't even know they're dating somebody or they're engaged. That just probably won't go well. Um, 
Or they could go, huh, that's interesting. And there is this not gossip, but this reality of community going, hey, have you ever thought about this person? That's why I brought up my story. Like, hey, have you ever thought about this person that raises somebody's kind of attention in the midst of that? That's one thing. The other thing is I do think, and culture I do think shapes this. I am not, and I could get destroyed for this with people, but I am not of the mindset that like girls have to just sit there utterly passive not be social, not walk up and engage a guy that you might be interested in. I mean, I all the time, like there's this statement in Christian circles, I'm going to use, this is an illustration, okay, so don't go, but where people will talk about we need to engage culture. And I like way more like focus on yourself and be found engaging. So the sense of like, if you are interested in somebody, but you're always like, they're over here and you're always over there, like, and they're like, I didn't even know that girl was ever in the ministry, right? Like, that's probably not going to help your cause. So a moment of like an ability to start a conversation doesn't mean you're not being a feminine female. I'd go, start a conversation if you're comfortable with that. Or stand around them when they're having a conversation. Find out like after 710, if people are going to eat somewhere, go eat with them. Like, sit down and begin to say, to have a conversation. Because I, I really do sit there and go, like, this is what happened to me in my dating was, like, I came to this notion where I was like, okay, if you're ever going to find somebody, you're going to have to do something, right? Like, you, you, it's not just going to, like, fall in your lap. Like, wow, that's the woman of my dreams. So there is this reality of the way, I would say at times, I, I'm going to end on this one. Christian circles can get stupid weird with this stuff. Like, it's just like, just be normal. Like, I just go up and start talking and engage. I mean, it can get stupid weird. And for me, like, my dating story, which we don't have time to do, which my wife will be very happy. Um, I just got, like, I had all this conjured up, like, guard the girl's heart, do that, which I'm not saying they're bad ideas, but the passage is actually guard your own heart, for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Like, don't just give yourself away. But I had this whole, like, Christian ministry stuff heaped on me, like, you got to guard a girl's heart, guard a girl's heart. It's like, I start dating my wife. I'm not giving you more than my <laughs> wife wants me to, but I start dating my wife, and I'm like, well, if you don't know you're going to marry her, don't date her. If you don't know you're going to get married, don't date her, don't date her. So, like, I come home from this trip where I went home to Denver, and I take her to Starbucks. <laughs> I'm like, ah, we're, we're not going to date anymore. And she's looking at me like, you told me before you left, like, you thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, what in the world just happened in the midst of this? And so, but I had all this conjured up, what I'd say is Christian weirdness, rather than just being like, like, when I start dating, so like, I don't have to have all the answers right now. Like, I like you for right now. Like, I'm not asking you to marry me. I'm not trying to take you to bed. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm just going out, and I say, do you want to go to a movie? And she said, yes. It's like, okay, cool. Like, let's go to a movie. So I say that to you. I know that, that you may go, well, that's easier, Tyler. You're a guy. I'm talking about being a girl. I just go, just be normal. Like, if, the more you can engage somebody, the more, and I know that sounds way easier, but... I mean this seriously. The more you'd engage somebody, like if you took the pressure off, Shannon, I'm going longer, but um, if you took the pressure off and said, I just want to have a friendship with this person, I'd go, just do it like that. Like, and at the moment, you, you don't, like, this is giving me one more piece of advice. The minute you have a flutter that you have some, you like somebody, don't tell everybody. <laughs> that's weird, right? Like, that's like, and that's going to fade fast. If you have a flutter that you're like, I kind of like this someone, 
just go, I'm going to go engage them like I'm building a new relationship. Like, hey, how you doing? First time, how long have you been around here? You know, what's going on? Are you in school? Are you working? What do you do? Like, just try to engage it like you'd engage anybody, right, at that moment. And then allow the natural flow of, like, knowledge about a person to go, oh, my flutter was wrong, right? Like, <laughs> or, wow, it's fluttering more, and that's kind of interesting, right? So I would, that'd be my biggest piece of advice, is just try to engage at some normal level and then let the Christian, like, well, I don't know if this is female-y, or I don't know, I just go, just be you with, try to just be you with somebody. Not helpful. So there you go.